morning. I hope you caught that intro. As you're finding a seat, it is an exciting day for my life and my church. Both of those are because of Jesus Christ working in our life. Let, let's just open in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come to your house. And Father, be able to, to hear your word and be doers of your word. Father, I just pray that, Father, that everything that you have me say would come out in love, kindness. Father, people would be able to receive it and apply it to their life. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning I want to talk about high-value target. This morning, do you know that when you think about it, there's a lot of people in the world that will mess up their own life because of their own faults, their sins, and then they blame God for it. You know, that's nothing new. You might want to turn me down a little bit. Nicole, I'm feeling fired up. This is the first time in about eight weeks that I've preached. Let me tell you, I feel like I'm, I almost had a call last week. Paul had spoken. He's Paul, I'm going to have to move because I, I got to preach. But I'm glad I did. Paul did a great job. But when you think about all the things that go on into people's life, and, and I'm one of them, that we begin to realize that sometimes we go, God, why aren't you working in my life? I want to do whatever I want to do. And then God, I want you to listen. And see, that doesn't work that way. God said, I have a way. And Father God said, I have a, I have a way. And, and it doesn't seem right to people at times. Let me tell you, if you apply my word in my ways, it will lead to everlasting life. Now, now this morning, I want you to think about that because if we, go, if we go all the way back to the beginning in the garden, Adam and Eve pretty much did the same thing. God had put them on the right path and said, you can have anything in the garden. Do you know what anything is or everything is? Everything. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what is the one thing that they wanted? The tree knowledge of good and evil. They took of the tree and sin entered into the world. And ever since we've lived, lived in a broken world. This is not God's plan. But it wasn't long after that that again Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. And most of us would get that on some kind of Bible trivia game. Who was the sons of Adam and Eve? And we'd say Cain and Abel. And if you know the story God again gave a command. I want you to bring a sacrifice to me. And, and if you know the story, Abel brings the sacrifice of the lamb because of the blood covering the sins. But Cain had another idea. I know what's right. I know what's right. But I'm going to do it my way. And so he brought some of the vegetables or the, the uh, surplus of the soil that he was growing. And, and these vegetables, he said, okay, there's, there's my sacrifice. Which again was doing his own thing and not what God had asked him to do. And he was really asking God, here, bless what I want to do. Listen to the response. We know that Cain went on to kill his brother Abel. And God in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 says, God says to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? Have you ever seen people that walk around depressed? Because they're doing their own thing and they're wondering why God isn't blessed. Listen to it again. Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will, you not, will it not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, listen to this. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. 
See, even though that sin is crouching at his door, God says, you have the power and the authority to rule over it. You, you remember the old uh, uh, Sanford and Son and Red Fox, and you say, the devil made me do it, or Flip Wilson, if you're old enough to remember that part back. That's what he's saying. You have the authority to rule over it. The devil simply does not make you do anything. It's your free choice. This morning, if you quickly turn to Luke chapter 22, this is before Jesus is crucified. And a lot of you know the story about Peter and his denial. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all of you. In other words, all the disciples and, and Peter, all of you, Peter, you to be sifted as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back to strengthen your brothers. Now Peter replies this, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you will know me. This morning I want you to see something is a parallel. That here is sin crouching at Cain's door because he doesn't want to do the right thing. And God says, you have the power to do the right thing. And, and, and another story, God, Jesus is talking to Peter. And, and as God, he's saying, I know what's on the horizon. Be, be careful that you realize, Peter, that you're going to be under attack. That you do have an enemy. In both situations, God makes a way to warning, and just like us, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This morning, just because you don't believe in the devil doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. I just want you to know that. But he does exist, and he wants very desperately to knock you off track, following God. In September 11, 2001, is a day that we call 911 or 911 when an emergency and things happen in America that those of us that were living in that time period, we know exactly what that day represents. 2,998 people were killed and more than 6,000 people were wounded when the trade centers were bombed by an airplane that went through. The wars that followed, almost 7,000 died during those wars. If you trace all the deaths, they go back to one man. He was the son of a billionaire. He's in his 50s. And the only thing that he hated more than the United States was Christianity. And the government, after 9-11, decided that they were going to come together and the FBI and the CIA and the military put a label on his, on his head, Bin Laden. They put a label, HVT, which stands for high-value target. He was the most wanted man for 13 years straight. And when he realized that he was being hunted by the United States, he went into hiding. He did not associate in any kind of society. He went into a, a place where nobody knew where he was. And, and he, he did crazy things to keep his identity hidden, like he would never use a cell phone or he never had, a, I mean, he never did after that. He even would take his garbage, they say, and they, he would have a special way of disposing it so nobody would ever find out where he lived or where he was staying. He was very careful 
unto Christ. The American government began to realize that they were willing to pay any price to bring this man to justice. They put a $25 million reward on his head. Soon after that, the airlines put another $2 million, bringing the total reward for $27 million for whoever would, it would lead the United States to be able to find this man and bring him to justice. $27 million. Now think about it. You might have friends, I have friends, but someone puts $27 million reward on you and you'll find your friends are shrinking. <laughs> You'll never look at your wife the same way after this. <laughs> $27 million. Can you believe it? The American government began to send people uh, in, dis in uh, disguise and being spies and special agents all over the world to try to infiltrate the Taliban and try to find out his, his whereabouts. But it seemed like they continued to pour hours, and, and for 13 years, 24 hours a day, thousands of men and women dedicated their life, their job was to find this man at any cost. One day, uh, something came up that was unusual because in, in Pakistan and Afghanistan, where they thought he was, uh, there was carriers, they called them, that. There were special people in that Taliban organization and, and one carrier's name kept coming up over and over and over and over. They thought that this could be a, it, it just seemed like maybe this was a part of the world that he could have been in. And right at this time, he began to let his guard down. He had his cell phone and as I said, he never used it. 13 years went and he never used it. But then on this day, he used it thinking that he was safe. In 13 years, he had been hid from being found, and then he uses his cell phone, and they identified where, where they thought he was. They immediately sent, again, uh, a high team of professionals to spy on this compound in Pakistan, and Hours after hours, they would watch around the clock, and, and something strange would happen. Every night, a tall man would come out. He would stay inside all day, never coming out. But at night, he would come out, and because the heat-sensing cameras they picked up, this guy was taller than usual, which uh, Ben Laden was. They, they saw that the compound would constantly insecure, locked down, because the weapons and the military that was there guarding him. But then they noticed that he had a bedroom that was located up on the third floor of the, the compound. And, and because they could see that heat sinking camera, they could realize that he would go to the same place every night. They finally identified him as a target, a high-value target. They studied him, they studied him. And when they confirmed that he was in this location, immediately they sent the most extreme powerful forces the United States has to make SEALs. And SEAL Team 6 was deployed and, and some of you might have seen the movies where, where the choppers came down and that, they had it all ready. They had put all that money into it and now today <coughs> they, they flew into there and they got the man. Now this morning I want you to see yourself because you're a high value 
argument to your enemy. The devil. And so many times as we live our lives and we think that we can live it any way that we want and God will bless it. The thing is that sometimes we believe in God when it's convenient and other times we say, well, you know, he, he's got grace and we really don't have to do what he's asked us to do to have an abundant life. We just do whatever we want to do. And this morning I want you to think about this. Satan seeks to set you he goes after the tree that will produce the most fruit. See, I, I've often wondered, why did Satan target Peter so strong that, that Jesus would say, Peter, he knows who you are. And he's even asked to see you. I, I began to think about that this week. And when you think about three years, Peter had walked and talked and been with Jesus he had seen with his own eyes the miracles of people coming out of the grave. Can you believe that? He, he saw things like uh, uh, the healings of, of sick people and getting up off of deathbeds. And, and, and he saw the feeding of the 5,000. And he, he saw all these miracles. He walked in the power of God as he actually would be able to talk with you. And right before this passage where Jesus goes to the cross, we find out that Jesus says, when I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit to you and the believer will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit resides in you, you will have power to do things even greater than I do. Can you imagine the enemy Satan hearing that? Oh no, uh-uh. There's somewhere in Peter I got to bring out some corruption. And if that corruption, if I can just bring out and I can tempt him, if I can get it to place, then he'll walk in guilt and shame, and that fear will cause him not to be a man of faith. Matter of fact, I believe that Satan even heard the ultimate plan for Peter from Jesus. You know the story. And let me say it again, that here is the story of Jesus, and, and, and he's telling Peter, and Judas has already really betrayed Jesus, and let there be light. All right. The light came on for some revelation. All right. Judas had already been tempted and fallen, and now he's after Peter. It's almost like, again, sin was crouching at Peter's door and it desired to have him. Listen, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Peter, you're a high value target. See, Peter, you might not know it, but he has asked about you. He's called you. He wants you. That goes for us, I believe. The enemy wants to destroy our life, our purpose, our marriage, our children, our finances, our peace, our dignity, and the power that is given us as believers because of our faith. All he has to do is come in and talk you into doing whatever you want. God will be okay with it. Again, Jesus is saying to Peter, he has and wants to separate you. For three years, Peter, you walked in the truth. You've seen with your own eyes. 
means that nobody else had seen it. Now, now, again, think about this. The day that Peter makes the choice to step and say, okay, I'm going to follow you. Do you remember he wasn't a man of faith any more than the person that isn't a believer? And here's what happened. Peter is on, remember, the shore, and he's mending his nets. And, and if you read the whole story, I'll just tell you that you can back up and say these assumptions. It sounds like he's kind of depressed because he had fished all night and not caught anything. Because after Jesus used his boat to teach the multitudes, what Jesus does is turn to Peter and go, hey, let's go fishing. And he goes, oh, are you kidding me? I've been out all night. They're fighting. Jesus says, would you do me a favor? Let's just go on. And the Bible says that they push out into the deep. And then Jesus says those words, Peter, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And sure enough, they begin to pull in this great catch. And as soon as that miracle takes place, if you know the story, Peter's eyes must have got his biggest saucers because he goes, Master, get away from me. I'll avoid it now. A lot of times that's what happens when a person that does not know God gets revelation of who really God is in their life. We know the story in John chapter 3 verse 16 that says that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you know if you read a little bit more it says that man doesn't want to come into the light because of their evil deeds will be renewed. You can say that a spotlight was on Peter right then. Boom! Anyway, ah, I'm ugly. Instead of Jesus, which a lot of people in that spot would think, Jesus would go, you are a numbskull. You are dirty. No, whoever told you that, if you believe that, it's a lie. But Jesus said, come on, Peter, follow me. I'll make you fishers men. And you say, fishers of men? I'm in and for three years, a wicked man changes into the forgiven, into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He begins to walk with Jesus and begins to see things. And what's so amazing is in this revelation, it begins to generate into a place where he says that there's words. He goes, who are you, Jesus? You're the son of God, the Messiah. On that revelation, the enemy can't have it. If he can knock off Peter because of his revelation, because of his believing in God, all of a sudden the ripple effect will happen throughout all that area. Old Peter couldn't even live a godly life. Why would you even try? You can hear the enemy loves that thinking. Can I tell you, as we talk this morning about Peter, and we're celebrating my life, my church. The enemy this morning sees you as a valuable target to knock you off, to bump you off the path God has for you. You have received the revelation of who God is, and a lot of you have made your life committed to Him. And if you've never received Jesus, I'll give you an opportunity just just to receive Jesus in your life. But the enemy would love to knock off a mother or a father to get them in some way not serving God because, again, the ripple effect of your children, those friends that are around you, the influence that you bring. And, and I wonder so many times, so many times, 
How many kids today would be in the kingdom if their parents would have just fought a little harder, they would have just got up, got back into a relationship in the body of Christ with that church, and, and listen to this. You have to be strong because you never know who you're inspiring. And you shouldn't He doesn't care how much it costs. He doesn't care how long it's going to take. But he's patient. Satan has asked to sift Peter. The word sifting is used in separating. It's separating the wheat from the chaff. In other words, bringing you about where you're not close to anything. And I think a lot of times the enemy's number one tactic, not the only tactic, but one of the number one tactics is to get you separated from the church. Well, that old church. How many people have ever heard that church is just a bunch of hypocrites? Anybody? Beside me? Anybody? Somebody once said that if they, this guy said, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites. So really... The hypocrite is keeping you from God. Yeah. So the hypocrite is actually closer to God than you. Whoa, 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 whoa. How many people have heard the church is just after your money? You hear all these lies, and really what there are is just excuses and excuses to come back to say, you know what? I don't need to be around. My spiritual friends. Nobody in the right mind would say, I, I need to be together to be encouraged, but I'm going to leave them. We know that the enemy comes, and, and you've seen it on a, like a predator movie where, where they separate one out of the herd so they can focus on the weakest. And you're yelling at the TV, don't go by yourself, run back towards the herd. Never happens, that. There's a sifting that happens. And, and I think that the number one tactic is to get the believer offended. We've called it at this church the bait of Satan. You've seen the trap where there's a little bit of bait hanging and it, it trips that, that the trap is set. You, you've heard people say, you know, when I was little, somebody said this to me and I don't want to go back to church anymore. And, and it doesn't really matter what is said. A lot of times I can't even remember what he said. But the enemy has come into their life and again deceived them with just a little offense that has grown into something big. And now they have what they think is a reason, a permission not to do the word of God in their life. And it's not long until excuses bring a separation. I've seen close friends believe lies about something that I thought about them or I said about them as well as the church has said about them. And again, that offense becomes so great that there's a separation and destruction that takes place between that rebel, that relationship. Do, do you know that also, that you know, some people will say, you know, uh, I was offended, but I, I've seen another thing 
is people have gotten very successful in their life and they prayed, God, bless my business, bless my job. God, I, I want this. And they get so successful now they have moved their priorities around it. And they know the passage of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things. All the other things will be added. But then, God, I know that I pray that. And they get successful and it starts coming down on their priorities. God, I know the church is important. God, I know that the body of believers that encourages me and strengthens me in my walk is important. But God, there's so many other churches. I'll just go to I'll just go to all the churches and they end up not going to any of the churches. When they're truthful about it. And I want to say, come on. You didn't come this far. It just come this far. Let's go on. You're a high value target. Don't buy into the, the patient scheming of the enemy. Just waiting for you to drop your guard. Well, let me tell you, hell doesn't care how much it costs. You know, the, when you think of 27 million in 13 years, that was a lot for one man. Let me tell you, the enemy will pay more than that and take his. Sometimes I'm amazed at the patience of hell. Just studying you, waiting for the time to attack. Waiting to take you out and get you to forfeit, really just to give up your purpose, your calling. Let me tell you, and that ripple effect influences all of those people. This morning, if you're a worshiper, if you're a teacher of the Word of God, a board member, a small group leader, a faithful attender, someone that has the revelation of what God has put, you are the son of God the Messiah. The enemy calls you a high value target and will love to take you up. Not too long ago, I saw, I heard about a National Geographic special in milking rattlesnakes. I think that we've got an emotional light system. We <laughs> got scared when we down the <laughs> And in this National Geographic, the, the, the professional, huh? Did you know there was a professional snake milker? So he would teach novice, a beginner, snake handlers. And in this National Geographic special, he was talking about it's where most people think that the danger is picking up the rattlesnake. But he said the opposite. The danger is when you put it down. He says, because the snake can turn quickly and bite you. And a lot of beginners will never, ever get that. Therefore, they have to be careful. They, they get bit. They don't want to ever pick it up. And that's the smart. Don't ever pick it up if you don't mind. You won't. See, and when I heard that, that applies to us in our life. So many times, you know, to pick up sin, it's not hard to pick up a sin. But it's hard to let it go. See, this morning, it's not hard to pick up drugs. You don't have to have a genius IQ to pick up drugs. But let me tell you, when you pick, it's not as easy to let go. You pick up pornography, but there's something about letting that out of your grip that, that it seems like it, it entangles you. It's easy to pick up an offense. Pastor, you don't know what they said and it just hurt. It's easy, but it's not easy to let go. It's easy to flirt with that girl in the office and say, yeah, it's not easy. Oh. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and all the sin that entangles us and run the race with perseverance, but God has marked out for us. All those little things that come. And this morning I know that Satan knows where you spend your money and where you spend your time in your calendar. And he begins to study us where he can attack us the most. If you think about Solomon, he did things that he shouldn't have done, but it's the thing that he had a weakness in. In women, he married all these ladies that were not believers in God, and those are the things that turn, are those people turn him away from God. If you think about it, why in the world as believers in a church, can you answer, why is tithing such a hot issue in the world that we live in? Why, do I, why does a non-believer care where we put our money? Have you thought that? But boy, those church people, I mean, they, do we get all that? Well, where do you spend your money? Well, I spent $150 on one seeing the concert. Are you kidding me? They would laugh. It's not your business. But the enemy knows that if he can cut off the funding of the kingdom of God, he's got it. Come on, think about it. If Satan can get you out of trusting God with a dime of a dollar, you'll never trust him with anything of eternal value. See, cutting the financing to anything in your life is saying it's not valuable. And the devil cleaves with life. Oh, he's like, oh, I got him. Because then the priorities come down again until you say, well, I just don't, I don't want to give because I believe all of my money is mine. Instead of us being the manager and God's the owner. If you think about Samson as a great example of what we're talking about as a high value target. Here Samson is the defender of the weak. He's the protector of God's people. I mean, the guy had pipes on him. He constantly went to the gun show, all that good stuff. You know? <laughs> Seemed like he had the looks. He had the long hair. Kind of like Martin Miller. Maybe he had a bun. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Top knot. Top knot. And let me tell you, the enemy studied Samson over and over. And, and through Delilah, if, if you know the story, the enemy, the Pharisees, would come in the back and they'd watch it. And, and she would say, what is your greatest temptation? What is it? What is the secret of your strength? See, he'd been warned by his parents. He'd been warned through his parents about what God had said in warning him. And really, there was a tense on his life before that that the enemy really warned him that they were out to get him. But what he allowed into his life was Delilah. But she shouldn't have been there in the first place. When the haircut took place, it was the most expensive haircut that he had ever had. It cost him everything that he had up to that point. And I just think that the enemy looks at Samson and says, I got you. And 
humans in general, and humans at you, and he says, I got you. It might take me some time, but I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to tell you this morning, today I say he won't defeat us. Say amen. Amen. Verse 4 says, Dear children, you have overcome the world. Why? It's because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. See, some people don't believe it. Talk to yourself, even though some people might say, You're a little loose. You talk to yourself anyway. You know, you talk to the golf ball that goes in the hole. Go, go, go. When somebody's coming by you in a car, you say, No, 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 no. You talk all the time to yourself. <laughs> you talk to yourself and say, you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That attack that's coming against me right now will not be successful. Listen to it again. Simon, 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 Simon. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But listen, he knew something. Peter knew something because he could look back on this passage and he could hear the next part. He said, but I have prayed for Aren't you glad that Jesus says, oh, I'm praying for you. He said, well, Pastor Chester Burks, we're good. I'm glad that you asked. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. It says this, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father in his name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this morning, think about it. If Peter, he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith might not fit, may not fail, and that when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus realized that it is possible to fall, but not have your faith give out. I want you to hear that. It's very important to know that because a lot of people fall, and their faith, they say, well, I don't have faith anymore. I messed up. I blew it. I'm done. You have bought into it. And what you say? This morning, I want you to hear this. If you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you are forgiven. Amen. And when you're forgiven, you become righteous. You become holy. I don't feel If you go on your feelings, let me tell you, you don't want to always lay in a field position in a ball when you go through depression. I can't do it, and you can't. Oh, my God, I don't think it's possible. So this morning, let's think about this. When we do go through a season, and maybe there's a time when you have comes to the temptations of the enemy and you're going, Pastor, now what? Here's the good news. Micah chapter 7, verse 8 says this. I love this. You've got to get in an attitude that you talk back to the enemy. This is what I want you to know, enemy. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Amen. Can you hear yourself saying that? Proverbs 24, 16 says, for the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. Isaiah 54, 17. This is not written by John Miller. Isaiah said it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. All those that rise up against you shall fall. And let me tell you right now that if you believe that, you'll walk in freedom. There's no weapon. We, we know that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against Satan and his forces. Oh, no, let me Some people might say, Pastor, you don't know my walk. I didn't bring this right in this You don't know my laws. I didn't fight. There's a spirit of dissension that causes that arguing all the time. And we have to say, you know what, enemy? I know that you're putting that between me and my wife, that now I'm going to take over control of that and say no to that. 
And it becomes on you and puts sickness on you and says, this is what you're going to suffer the rest of your life. You say, no, it will not. I, I love this phrase where somebody wrote this down. The devil caught me with my head down and got excited. Until I looked up and said, amen. I've been praying, so watch out, Satan. Here I come. Let me tell you, Isaiah says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall rise up a standard against him. But here's what I love is some theologians think that they put the comma in the wrong place. And, and I've said this many times, but listen to it again. What if you move the comma a few verses or a few words and said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God comes up and says, that's all you're going to have. If this morning you feel like you've been under attack, you're in good company. Just look around. This morning, I want you to know that the enemy might, and I believe has labeled you as a high value target. And you're nothing more than a target that he can bring down until God comes into your life. And then God comes in and says, whoa, 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 whoa. You're talking about my child. And the verse is this. Hmm. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, not just somebody, not just a friend, not just a good meaning person, but God says, he who created you, he who formed you, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I summoned you by name and you are mine. So this morning, you might be here and you say, Pastor, I feel like I've been beat up by Satan. I've, I've had problems in my marriage. I've had problems in my finances. I've had problems. You know, I just, I have problems even understanding. Am I a believer? Maybe I've had problems this and problems that, whatever. Just fill in the blank. And this morning, if you have never received Jesus Christ in your life, then maybe in personal Savior. You, you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm not talking about if you know of God. I'm talking about having a relationship with God. A relationship is not dear heavenly father in heaven above, you know, speaking in all that heaven. You know what I mean? Some, some people that have a relationship with God. You remember the other day, you know, when I was walking, I just want to say thank you, friend, my God. Having a relationship with God is just good. This morning, if you're here, you say, you know what? I'm tired of trying to do my own thing and then asking God to bless it. But I'm ready to hear the things of God. I just want to ask you, be honest with yourself. You can always hear something that's not being said. Somebody's Pastor's just trying to talk in. We're trying to, again, the reason why it's called good news is because it's good news for those who believe. Sorry, would you just bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you've never seen Jesus Christ in your life, you say, Pastor, I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, would you just slip up your hand? Take it down. Thank you. Maybe re re rededicating your life. 
That's where I've gotten away from God and I've done my own thing, but now I want, again, the relationship that I've given up. But now I choose to be have a relationship. Maybe you're here and you just raise your hand. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else? morning, if you're here and you feel like you've been under attack, I don't see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just, just, it just, yeah, I'm not going to have you come up front. I'm not going to have anything done. This morning, look at me just for a few seconds if you want to pray. Every one of you that raised your hands and yeah, that's where I'm at. But this can be a new day. And a lot of people understand just because it's a new day, you realize it's a new way. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, God gave the word where my ark goes, you follow it. Why? Because we're going to go to a place that you've never been before. We're going to do it a different way this time. So this morning, this is the starting line of a new day. So when we pray this morning, just wherever you are, it's an act of faith by saying, either God come into my life, forgive me of my sins, God, I want to have a relationship with you. Maybe God forgive me of doing the things that I've done. God, I repent, but God, today I receive your forgiveness. And someone be here today that raised their hand and said, God, I feel like I've been under attack and I know now that God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and I will take authority because I realize that even sin can be crushed. And I grew up in it has no place in my, in my family, in my children, in my life because I will minister all the way. So let's pray. Father, today you know where each one of us are. <coughs> Father, I just pray right now as we confess our sins, we repent of our sins, we, we ask for forgiveness. Father, this morning when we begin to look back on our past, it can be so big that it keeps us from our future. But God, not today. Today we cut our past mistakes loose. And Father, we receive what you have for us. Father, you are more than enough. Father, I just pray that those that see you in your life, God would take a new step, a new day, and a new way. This morning we're going to worship God just for a few minutes. If you've come to be baptized, if you now go to the two different, the ladies are on this side, and the gentlemen are on this side, we're going to get ready for the baptismal, and then uh, the children are going to come in here in a few seconds to also celebrate. If you made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, this is what people that have done that services prior to tonight or today have done. And so that they're getting baptized as again a representation of a new life. Baptized in the water being brought out as a resurrection to new life. And I want to encourage
encourage you to make a public commitment. Tell people that you gave your heart to God. I'd love to know myself. For you to be baptized. To say to the world, everybody, if we could get the world in here, I say if we could get all the world in this auditorium, it would be the same of making a public confession to the world that your new life is committed. Say, God, I'm going to live with So in a few minutes, the candidates that are being baptized will come out and they'll give you the time or giving you the yes, I have been saved. And then after that, you'll see that you'll be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's worship God together.